Impact Hustlers, the podcast on entrepreneurs and changemakers that are creating solutions to the world's biggest problems. Impact Hustlers is brought to you by Fast Forward 2030 and Real Changers. Visit fastforward.com to learn how to include the global goals into your business model and realchangers.com to find talent and careers with impact. And this is your host, Maiko Shafrat. In today's episode, I talk to Chris Edson, CEO and founder of Our Path, a startup on a mission to eradicate type 2 diabetes. Our Path offers a three-month digital weight loss and lifestyle change program and is working with the NHS to help people at risk of type 2 diabetes to stay healthy. Our Path raised funding from prominent investors uh, such as Tavit Henrikus, the founder of TransWise, and 500 Startups. So far, about 10,000 people have developed healthy habits through using Our Path. That's great to have you on the show, Chris. Um, I think you told me uh, a while ago that Our Path actually started at, at a startup weekend. So that's basically this occasion where you go away for a weekend. It's like an event of maybe 50, 60 people. And people just form random teams and try to build a startup in a weekend. Can you tell us more about that and how it all started with our path and how it's possible that there's a real company being brought out of that? Yeah, of course. Oh my God. The, the startup weekend, that was back in 2013, um, which is absolutely terrifying. So I was, uh, I was a strategy consultant for my sins at the time. Um, and I had this idea that I wanted to go into startups. So I ended up rocking up to this, um, Startup weekend ran by the Kaufman Foundation, and I pitched in front of this room of ninety people, and it was all it was in Imperial, um, so Imperial College, the university. So it was me, and I was like twenty five at the time, to a room of nineteen year olds, and I convinced a bunch of them to come and work on this idea with me. And it, the idea was it was around diabetes. It wasn't anything like what we're doing now, but it was it was around diabetes. Um, and yeah, we got we got voted uh, for this idea to be made over the weekend. Um, and it was probably the most stressful two days of my life. It was awful. Um, we basically, we had on our team, I had nine people, which is huge for a startup weekend thing. And um, when you when you turn up to a startup weekend, you can either be, you can be a business person, a design person, or a developer. And you get a little badge to say which of the three categories that, that you're in. And all nine people on my team, every single one of them were business people. And what that really means is they don't do anything. Uh, so I, I spent a weekend herding cats and trying to... Um, so, so genuinely, this is what happened. Over the course of the weekend, and I had pitched some kind of diabetes tracking idea. Over the course of the weekend, that merged through way of kind of groupthink and democratized thinking into a diabetes pillow where all these... All the things that someone living with di uh, living with type 2 diabetes has to think about, like checking their fee and taking re regular medication, we were going to print those things on a pillow. And so we spent the Saturday like pivoting to this, this pillow idea, genuinely a pillow. And then I woke up on Sunday morning and turned up at the start, having had very little sleep, like prototyping this pillow and thought, this is the stupidest thing I've ever heard. So I turned up to the roof, the these nine people, these business people, I said, I'm really sorry, guys, we've got to pitch this idea in four hours time. I'm just going to go and make a presentation, a PowerPoint presentation. And I'm going to talk about my own thing. I'm really sorry. 
So I, I was like a total lone wolf. They were all really angry with me. Uh, and then I just made this, um, I made this, this presentation, which is, was something similar actually to now what we do. Uh, but yeah, I had this like light bulb moment on the Sunday morning where I was like, diabetes pillow, that's the stupidest thing I've ever heard. But you know, you, within the course of a day, hearing all these voices and I don't know, you're trying to give everyone, make sure everyone's voice is heard. Like I was, I was convinced by it. Um, so yeah, that was the story of the startup weekend. And then I had the very awkward bit afterwards where I went and did this pitch. I, we went and did the presentation. We we got we didn't win it. Actually, a friend of mine won it. Um, we we came runners up, and then all of the the team of nine they all desperately wanted to work on this idea. They were like, "Wow, you 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 presented so well, and so this is great. Like this idea is amazing. Let, let's go and do it." And I never wanted to work with any one of these people ever again. I never wanted to go anywhere near them. Um, so I then had like a very awkward moment of like removing them all from the shared Dropbox and then getting the like the emails from them being like, hey, Chris, why have I been removed? And I had to email them all and say, I, th- I think I'm going to I'm going to go alone on this one. Um, so yeah, that, so, that was so the story of how it all none of those people are on the team. And thankfully, right now. thankfully not. None of those <laughs> all right. people are in the, the team. One of them ended up at, at Crowdcube. Uh, you know who you are. Um, yeah. Anyway. <laughs> Good friends. Yeah. <laughs> cool. Um, let's focus on a problem a bit that you're solving. Uh, you're helping people prevent type two diabetes or manage it once once they have it. Um, and when I look at your website, it basically advertises a weight loss program. And what I thought, or what's pretty obvious, I guess, is like there's countless diets out there. There's like millions of books. I think. Uh, I was close to just claiming 50% of all books are probably books on diets. <laughs> it seems like it. So uh, why is our path different and what is it rooted in that makes people successful and what, what does success look like for, for you? Yeah, of course. So um, we started off life in this, in this diabetes space where the, um, the thesis was that if you can help people change their habits, they will never develop type 2 diabetes. You can eradicate it from the face of the planet. That is obviously a very difficult thing to do. Um, and as we were building it, we realized that, well, that's all well and good, but you can't get people excited about diabetes prevention. You, people are not going to suddenly sign up to a diabetes prevention program. What you have to do is build a product that people want to use and want to pay for, and they want to go and take a three-month program. So we, all of our marketing on our website, it doesn't mention diabetes because diabetes scares people and isn't something that they want front of mind. We talk about lifestyle change and losing weight and other positive benefits that you get from changing your lifestyle, uh, which gets us into this murky territory of, uh, well, how is it different from, I don't know, countless diet books or Weight Watchers or anything like that? And that's where the kind of sciencey bit comes in. So obviously this is a Changing people's diets and things is a ridiculously crowded market. But the reality is like nothing really works. People don't change their habits. If something did work, then this problem would have been solved. So when we, the approach that we took to building the program was, well, let's look at what the research shows. How do you actually change people's habits? And it's this science called behavioral science. Um, it's a relatively new field, but there are huge number of different aspects to it. And we just took it upon ourselves, me and Mike, the other co-founder, to become obsessed with behavioral science and then tried to build a program off the back of it. So building a lifestyle change program off this new thing, behavioral science. So that's where the, the differentiator comes is that we're a program that actually works, right? We've got clinically reviewed outcomes that 
we get amazing results. People sustain the changes that they've made. They lose a lot of weight. Um, they prevent their diabetes. And in some cases, even when they're living with type 2 diabetes, they actually reverse their diabetes. Um, but that's difficult to convey to the consumer sometimes. Mm. How do you convince someone that, yeah, we're the thing that actually works? That's, mm -hmm. a, that's a challenge for us sometimes. I guess in, in such a noisy space, especially, right? Such um, a noisy space. Uh, um, I got a question between what we just talked about, the Startup Weekend story and the pillow, and then slowly the idea developing uh, from from there into where you're now running the, uh, these programs and yeah, having helped over 10,000 people. Um, how did you go about it? Like, okay, you have a consulting background. Did you like draw up a bunch of uh, mattresses and be like, okay, this is the right thing to do and uh, there's opportunity there in the top right corner? Or um, um, was it something that is a personal story? Like, how did you actually... Yeah, it's, it's partly personal um, and partly... Um, strategic we really so we were working as consultants we were working in in healthcare almost exclusively we, me and mike we were working in healthcare um diabetes kept coming up as this huge issue and we'd be doing work for pharma companies and they would they would be explaining to us about a new insulin drug that they wanted to market for people with diabetes and that kind of sickened us the problem doesn't need to be solved with new drugs. So that kind of inspired us that like, look, this is being solved in a really stupid way. We think we can do it better. Um, and at the same time, I also had a family member who was um, at risk of, of diabetes. And those two things kind of came together that, look, we think we can make some dent in the type 2 diabetes epidemic. And also maybe I can help out this person close to me. Um, and then the way that we went about it is we just went in with that idea. How can we help? type 2 diabetes what could we possibly do and so we just prototyped loads of ideas um loads and loads of ideas and then tested them in really hacky ways like we went on forums we made whatsapp groups we sent people diet books we did all kinds of things you know that don't scale and we just to kind of test what might work um i learned how to code so anyone that's thinks that that's like a barrier i I just went and taught myself how to code. <laughs> Did you build the first version or anything? Or uh, I yeah, I, I built I built everything up until about a year ago. To oh. be honest, um, yeah. Now, now we have an engineering team, but for a, a long time I was kind of CEO slash CTO, which is a a difficult hmm. position to be in. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, I, I built all of our our early stuff, um, which just probably explains why we're you know got such a shambolic code base nowadays no not really but um yeah i i, I guess I, if anyone wants to get started with this stuff like just go to code academy like hmm. learn some stuff try and build a website um i don't know that's where i started um mm -hmm. so throughout all the years despite learning that maybe the diabetes pillow is not the best idea what was your biggest learning throughout that journey um until today um i think my biggest learning has been um you can test like anything um, and that your own biases are like always, always wrong. Um, and there, there is no harm in, you just have to let go of all of your ego and test, 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 test until something works. Um, it's really easy to get locked into an idea or a way of thinking. And that can be completely, completely wrong. Even, even now we find ourselves, me and Mike have our own biases about how we should be running the program or whatever. And then we look at the data and it might tell us something entirely different. And then we have to change our whole belief system. And that, that's kind of what it's like being 
an early stage startup founder is you have to constantly be reevaluating things. So the the expression that I think really resonates with me is um, strong opinions loosely held, right? As a, as a founder, you have to fight tooth and nail to execute something really, really well, but be prepared to drop it at a moment's notice and move as soon as something the data shows you that should be you should be moving in a different way mm -hmm. is that the hardest thing about doing what you do or is there something else you would say that's like the hardest thing to crack with with what you're trying to um do? i think that without well, the real hardest thing is like managing the stress of it all you know running a startup uh it can kill you it's it's horrendously stressful um struggling to find fundraising waking up one day and thinking can we make payroll this month thinking that you spent the last four years trying to build something and then suddenly it's it's going to be up in flames and you're going to have 30 people unable to pay their rent. Um, that's that's the most difficult thing about doing it. It is just an inherently stressful thing to do. Um, and you have to be prepared for that. Like everything that comes with it, from raising funding to managing a team, that's some of the stuff that sometimes gets missed when you're in a you know, making this new thing in your basement, you forget that, well, if this goes well, I might be managing a team of a thousand people. Um, and what does that really look like? Is that something that you really want to do? Mm -hmm. do? Do you do you want to commit to this thing for 10 years? Because if, if you want it to be really, really successful, that's probably what it'll take. And you'll probably have mm -hmm. to make a million sacrifices along the way, um, be it your relationships or your family, um, or your hobbies that, that I mean, yeah, it's just, it's amazing. And I wouldn't do anything else in the entire world. Like I, I'm entirely convinced that this is my calling, not necessarily. I, I just mean like building companies. Yeah. I, I, yeah. I, that's the thing that I want to do. Um, but you do have to be, be prepared that a lot of other things will fall by the wayside. Mm. I used to have so many hobbies. I used to have so many hobbies. I used to play in bands. I used to uh, run like, you know marathons and things and um used to do photography like all of this stuff all of that just goes as soon as you run a company because at any given moment um you know you could be doing something extra for the for the business hmm. so it's it's almost impossible to switch off and um yeah dedicate that mental energy to something else hmm. when in your journey did you take that decision yes or when did you realize like yes this is it like I, i'd do that for the rest of my life if i I think um, very, very early on, um, very early on, but probably three or four years ago, um, I was I was convinced that th this is great. I, I love doing this. This is really, really rewarding because um, the, the things that I tend to value in my life, which is the other thing I encourage other new founders to do, the things that I value is autonomy, getting things done, a uh, sense of mastery about stuff and making an impact on the world. And if you have those same that same value structure that maybe being a startup founder is, is good for you. And I realized very early on that running a company allowed autonomy. It allowed a lot of purpose. Um, it allowed me to build things, which, you know, I'm an engineer by degree. So it, it kind of fulfills that part of me. Um, but then I, I think more recently, um, Mike and I have been, we've just been in meetings, just the two of us. And we've been like, I, I just very grateful for doing what we're doing very it's been just in the last six months we say to each other a lot like we need to remember that this is amazing like to to build this team and to be having this impact like we're so so grateful to be doing this thing that even though it's stressful 
yeah, it's it's genuinely incredible. Mm. What do you look to when it gets really hard? Uh, is it maybe some financial outcome at the end, or is it your mission, or is it your customers? Like, what is it that gives you energy to really go through the episodes where you think, "Oh God, is this worth it?" Right? I think the thing that that brings me the the energy and the conviction when the going gets tough. Um, I think you you just have to be an innately very stubborn person. Like stubbornness, I really think is an attribute and a founder. And both Mike and I are incredibly stubborn and we will not let this thing fail. We will fight tooth and nail to make it a success. And that kind of attitude tends to mean that in adversity, we will pull through that uh, because we you back us into a corner and we'll fight harder than anyone to make the thing work. So um, I don't know if it's, uh, it's, it's not really like a singular vision of financial outcome. That's really not what drives us. We just know that we have to make this thing a success at all costs. Well, actually, that, that at all costs thing is an interesting um, dichotomy. We, we had this debate the other day, actually. The, mm. the two of us, we were saying, do we want to make this thing successful at all costs? And we actually reasoned that no, not at all costs. Mm. Not at all costs. If we have to leave a trail of destruction behind us, then no, not at all costs. And a part of it was us talking about the team and how we build mm. the culture and how we um, how we help people grow. And something that um, has been a big learning for me is that there is a lot of inherent value in building a good company, mm. regardless of a financial outcome. There is value in giving people a place to work with a purpose, giving them meaning in their lives. That is an inherently very, very valuable thing mm. to do. So that that's the other bit that I, I wasn't probably anticipating that um that yeah we've built a company that people it, it gives people purpose and you, you that part of the journey I, I think I hadn't anticipated so even if it all goes horribly wrong like I, I think I can sleep easy at night to be like well at least during that time we gave people that purpose and we we made a great place to work for people um mm. that that's extremely rewarding You didn't grind people into the ground while they worked for you, right? You exactly. you built a culture that, or you're building a culture still, I guess that you know that um, um, that makes people feel good about themselves and uh, working for you. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Mm -hmm. Um, now, but back to some some of your approach. Um, I come across a lot of startups. Uh, I, I I used to hear many more pitches uh, in the past uh, than now, but a lot of health tech startups uh are trying to focus especially well mainly in the uk they try to focus on the nhs uh, very early on um uh and i he heard so many pitches that said okay if we just crack that we'll be like number one um and they kind of don't focus on the consumers as much sometimes uh not everybody um you do both actually you uh, work with the nhs and you also sell directly on your website i can sign up right now um what would you recommend to founders starting out in the health space um yeah i mean it, it's gone the to UK. the point it's gone to the point where i don't even know what i would recommend because um there is no single bit of advice with regards to the nhs it is just too large of an organization to simplify into a, a single thing but I think you touched on it really, really well, which is often 
health tech startups focus too much on the NHS, or they f- they'll focus on the disease or the problem. They'll focus on the problem that they're trying to solve for the healthcare system. And that means that it's very difficult to be really product and user focused in what you're trying to build. And it will probably mean that you'll get no adoption at the end of your product. And that, that's where um, I think what we're doing is a bit different. Uh, we are very, very user focused and we're trying to solve a real user problem, which is the same reason why we don't talk about diabetes and diabetes prevention to people. We try and talk about the problems that they need solving in their lives. So, so that is the thing I would maybe encourage for new health tech founders is to think about what is the problem for the person that you're trying to solve. Because if you can, regardless of the NHS, if you can build a product that people will pay for, or not even pay for, that people will use to solve their problem, then the other stuff will will fall out the back of it. You know, if, if that helps someone and um, that ends up bringing some financial benefit to the NHS, maybe through reduced admissions to hospital or whatever it is, then you you might well find a way to sell it into the, the NHS. Um, yeah, so I, I think the Quit Genius guys who do smoking cessation, that's a really good example of that. You know, they've built an amazing product that helps people quit smoking. They don't sell directly into the NHS, but that might be a route for them one day because they proved it through having an amazing consumer-facing product that helps people that, with a real consumer problem. Hmm. All right. Um, my famous last question, well, I don't know how famous it is, but my, my last question is, uh, what kind of world are you trying to create with our path? Uh, if you look uh, towards the next 10 years, how does the world look like that you're trying to contribute to with what you're doing? Yeah, the, the world that we'd be looking to build is where everyone feels that they have the support that they need to change their lifestyle habits. Um, I don't want to say it's a world where there's no type 2 diabetes, um, or there's no obesity, but I'd like to think we've created a world where any everyone has the tools that they need to make those changes. And we want to be the company that provides those tools. Maybe it'll, it'll look completely different to what we do now, but we want to make those tools completely accessible to everyone so that if you think about it, democratizing the kind of support that we now give to people, providing that to, to billions of people. Thank you very much. I wish you the best on that journey. And thanks for joining me today. Thanks so much, Michael. Thank you. This was Impact Hustlers. Impact Hustlers is brought to you by Fast Forward 2030 and Real Changers. Visit fastforward.com to learn how to include the global goals into your business model and realchangers.com to find talent and careers with impact.